Well, as Pete said, my name's David, so, um, and uh, I'll just give you a brief update on what's happening in Kettering, because we'd love you to pray for us, um, but also, uh, if you want to come and visit us anytime, you're very welcome. Um, as, uh, as Pete said, we, um, we've been having monthly evening services, and the next one's next month, and if you like the preaching so much, or you want to come along and hear it again, uh, you're very welcome to join us. Um, so that's at Praise Community Church in Kettering from 445 PM, um, and we have home groups in Kettering, and we also have a Sunday morning brunch. So we've become quite New Testament church-like, you know, meeting in our home, having brunch together, fellowship and worship, and a bit of sharing <clears throat> over the Word of God. Um, and we want everything that we do to be invitational. So we say to people, you know, if you want to bring your friends, if you've got any friends, uh, you please do bring them with you um, or invite them. And, you know, we've seen God touching people's lives, which is really exciting. And we also pray once a month uh, to, in Kettering, a bit like the upper room here. Um, so we're doing this series called The Good Life. <clears throat> um, we've been doing this series through the, the whole year is about going deeper and wider with God. Um, and this little series we're in now is called The Good Life. And my job today is to talk about the life of courage. A couple of weeks ago, if you were here, Paul Veal talked about what is the good life. And he described the fact that in the New Testament, there are two words that are, described, that are translated as life into English. One is the word bios, uh, which is biological life. And the other is zoe, which is spiritual life. And we can only feel, find the true spiritual life in Jesus, the good shepherd. Uh, all the other options promote bios, and Jesus himself said it. They are thieves and robbers. They actually steal us away from the true life that Jesus wants to give us, if we're not careful. Things like the desire to have more stuff, more possessions, more money, more fame, make things like being wanting to be fulfilled, or the tendency that in the modern world is called expressive individualism. It's all about me. Nothing else matters. And then last week, Michelle <clears throat> talked about the life of calling. The good life is a life of calling. God wants us to be real with him, to know, find our identity in Christ, and calls us to live out of that identity into what he wants us to do. So, this morning... We want to talk about courage. A good life is a life of courage. Well, one dictionary definition of courage is mental and moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. So we need courage to face up to the difficulties in life, and we need courage to stand for things that are not right, stand up against things that are not right. The word actually comes from the French word. You get a bit of a language lesson today. French word cour, which means heart. So we know that if we are encouraged, we are enheartened. We, our heart is built up inside us. And that enables us to move forwards rather than get trapped in fear. Courage is not the absence of fear, but the ability to act in the face of it. 
Uh, hands up if you've ever been to Alton Towers and ridden the Oblivion ride. Well, only a couple, two, a few of you. So, life of terror, you know, sitting strapped into this thing, 180 foot, foot, foot up, uh, and then descending at 70 miles an hour into the, the abyss. Uh, and, you know, we actually seem to quite enjoy the terror, <laughs> strangely. My wife wouldn't go on that sort of thing. But we might face other things in life, like cancer, or a serious illness, or a serious mental illness. Or we might face things like bullying in school, or at workplace, or in our family lives. These things drain us of strength. They fill us with fear, which can be debilitating and devastating. And they also cast shadows over the rest of our lives. We get ongoing anxiety and depression and difficulties coping with future life events or relationships. Sometimes we need courage to stand up for our convictions. So the one in the middle, if you don't recognize it, is uh, one of the Extinction Rebellion uh, logos. Uh, Standing up for action against climate change, uh, climate, um, standing up against action for climate, action on climate change. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, you know, sometimes we need to stand up for things that are important. We, we all face things in life that cause us fear. There's no avoiding it. I'm sorry if you think there is. Um, there's no avoiding things that will cause us fear. So what's the biblical perspective on courage? That's what I'm here to talk about. Well, the Bible is actually a very realistic book. Um, and it doesn't soft soap the challenges and difficulties that we face in life. Many, if not all, the characters in the Bible face challenging times and circumstances. We see people like Abraham and Sarah facing up to infertility. Joseph being wrongly accused and imprisoned. Moses facing down Pharaoh. King David spending 18 years knowing he was anointed by God, but being attacked by Saul. The Psalms are full of examples of people crying out to God over things that are just not right. At the end of his life, Moses was told by God to commission a man called Joshua to take the nation of Israel into the promised land. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people <clears throat> into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. So here's a Hebrew lesson coming up. Two words in that passage are chazak, Hebrew word chazak, which means be strong, grow firm, strengthen. And the other word is ametz, which means take courage, also be strong or firmed up. So you can see there's a big overlap between those two words. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong, chazak, and courageous, ametz, for you shall go with the people into this land. 
Now, when the Bible says things twice in the same passage, there's a basic principle that we're supposed to sit up and take notice, take extra notice. God wants us to have courage. He wants to give us it, and he wants us to take it. So I don't know what you remember about Joshua, if any of you remember from kind of Sunday school days. Nowadays in, in, in schools, a lot of kids don't know much about Joshua, but um, there's a, an old song they used to sing, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, 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 and the walls came a-tumbling down. Now, I can't go into the whole story of Joshua in this time, but um, just a brief biography. When Moses sent out 12 representatives into the land to spy out the land of Canaan before they entered it, Joshua was one of them. In fact, he was one of the only the two who didn't take fright at the giants in the land, but counseled that Israel should press on into the land, which was described as flowing with milk and honey, having great clusters so big it would take two men to carry them. He spent long times in the build-up to that in God's presence in the tent of meeting. And he was like an apprentice to Moses, taking on some of the responsibility uh, for bringing God's decisions to people, acting as, a, as Moses' deputy. Because of his encouragement to go on into the land, he ended up being only, but one of only two men who had come out of Egypt to actually get there. But was he courageous? Well, I think most of us think, yeah, he was pretty courageous. He led Israel. But I've got this feeling that he's told so many times to be courageous that maybe he had a bit of trouble getting the message. So four times in that chapter in Deuteronomy, Moses says to him, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. And once on top of that, he says, don't fear or be dismayed. Now, I think he wasn't naturally a courageous person, which is why Moses tells him to be strong and courageous so many times. I think naturally he was probably a fearful character uh, who had learned by experience to trust God when he knew he had to, but he was naturally inclined to revert back to his normal, possibly anxious take on life. I don't have any proof of that. But I think he needed to be reminded continually Maybe he understood that he was completely reliant on God. Maybe for us, the first step of courage is to take a risk, to step out with God, to partner with him in what he was wanting to do. In the vineyard, we have a phrase that we say that the, the, the word faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Not a blind risk, but complete confidence in what God is showing Well, you've had a Hebrew lesson, so now you're getting a Greek lesson. In the New Testament, there are several words that translated courage, but there are two in particular I wanted to focus on. One is called tharseo, which means to be of good courage. Um, This, actually, there's a bit more than that behind it, because it refers to God bolstering the believer, empowering us with a bold inner attitude. The second word is parakaleo, which means to call for or to call to, to exhort, to encourage. 
So there's a real sense of coming alongside someone to encourage. And I think we can all relate to the idea that when we are fearful or struggling, if somebody comes alongside us, it makes it a lot easier. Um, there was an early church leader called Barnabas, and he was nicknamed the son of encouragement. I guess he was a great encourager. And how, much, how great would it be if we were known to others as encouragers? It would be fantastic. But one of the names of the Holy Spirit is paraclete. Paracleo, paraclete, same word, um, which means encourager. God himself comes alongside us to encourage us. So I've got some examples. If you've got a Bible with you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 9. You can follow along. At the beginning, it talks about uh, the man who is brought to Jesus on a mat. And if, if you remember Mark's, uh, if you've read Mark's um, version of the story, basically they couldn't, his fr- four friends couldn't get so close to Jesus. So they had to climb on top of the roof of the house, cut a hole in the, in the ceiling, and lower the guy down. It doesn't say that in Matthew. But they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. And then he went on to heal the man. So in this story, this man could not walk. But Jesus, acting on a divinely given insight into his condition, perceived that the root problem in this case was sin. Jesus did not judge or condemn him, but deals with him with forgiveness and kindness. We don't know what sin he had committed, and we know that not all illnesses are directly caused by sin. But some are. And in this case, this guy's healing came from first being forgiven. But note, the first thing Jesus did was to address him as son. So he he gave him his identity. He was a son of the living God. And then says, take courage. And I wonder whether we have the courage to face up to our shame, to recognize our sins, and the courage to come to Jesus for forgiveness and release from our shame, because he wants to give us that. Do we have courage to face up to sickness? Sometimes it's really hard. Later on in the chapter, um, Jesus talks about, uh, Jesus is approached by a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, for she was saying to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will get well. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. Once, once the woman was made well. Jesus again addresses her as daughter, gives her identity in Christ, in God. This was a woman who is ritually unclean because of her gynecology problems. The ancient laws basically said, if you're a woman and you're on your period, you can't approach, you can't go to the temple, the synagogue, 
You can't mix with other people. You can't have intimate relationships with your husband. You are, you are just cast out, basically. But Jesus touches her and heals her. He, he, he acknowledged her identity as a daughter of God and told her to take courage. If you go on to Matthew chapter 14, after Jesus fed the 5,000, there's a story about him walking on the water. Now, I'll read the passage to you. Jesus came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, There's an ancient sailing tradition that if you see a ghost out on the sea, it basically is the the souls of of, um, dead sailors who are coming to... You're going to die, basically. So they saw this ghost and thought, ah, we're going to die. No wonder they were terrified and panicking. But Jesus immediately wants to comfort and encourage them. He calls on them to have faith and trust him. Take courage, it is I. Anxiety and fear can be extremely disabling and debilitating. In the Joker that's just come out, I haven't seen it, but apparently there's a a line which says, the worst thing about having a mental illness is the fact that people expect you to behave as if you don't. Now, of course, there are practical medical and psychological approaches to help mental illness like there are with physical illness. Um, But we also need to know that the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, is able to help us and transform our lives. And I would encourage you, if you suffer with anything, uh, any mental illness, any illness, to keep calling out to God for help if you're struggling. Do we have the courage to face up to troubles and disappointments? We're not immune to trouble. In fact, Jesus himself faced the most horrendous time in the run-up to crucifixion, knowing that all his disciples would desert him. One would actively betray him. Another actively deny him. In the run-up to his own personal battle in the Garden of Gethsemane, John records, I've told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. We will all, I'm sorry to tell you this, we will all face troubles at times. But we can trust that God is with us and can support us through them. In Hebrews, uh, the, the Bible says this, quoting God's promise to Joshua that we read earlier. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper I will not fear. What can man do to me? Do we have courage to face our troubles and disappointments? Do we have courage to face our shadows? Uh, In my day job, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a part-time GP. 
So I, the stuff I've been talking about is actually bread and butter stuff for me. I see people, not every day because I don't work every day, but when I do work, I see people suffering with sickness and mental health issues and stress and other problems. And I often reflect that there are things that medicine has no real or lasting answer for. For instance, the treatment for shame is forgiveness, not airbrushing it out and pretending it's not there. If we have shame uh, or guilt, the treatment is forgiveness. Uh, the NHS doesn't really give that out. <laughs> there may be shadows and things in our lives that cast a shadow. There are things in our lives that cast a shadow over us. For instance, things that have been done to us when we were younger. You know, abuse or bullying, pressure from our parents or families, expectations that we or others have put on ourselves, and things like bullying at work. They actually cause damage to us. And those, that damage causes shadows that affect our relationships, affect our ability to live our lives. Earlier this year, we did a series on emotionally healthy spirituality, where one of the things we addressed was the shadows that affect us. And what I would suggest to you, if you're interested, if you're struggling with some things, go back and look, listen to the podcast. You can get them on the website. I know personally that God can change things that seem to be unchangeable. Yesterday I was at a, a, a mental health awareness day in Kettering, um, organized by a, a church group. And um, there was a lady who, who was introduced by the guy who was uh, leading the day, um, who had spent eight years locked up under mental health section in a hospital uh, with severe mental illness. And over that period of time, she started to reach out towards God and go to church. And um, as she did that, she started to come into a freedom. And her life is transformed. She was told she would never live independently. <laughs> and for two and a half years, she's been living independently in Northampton. God can change our lives. Psalm 23.3 says, He restores my soul. He restores my soul. So there are some things that God also calls us to that are a challenge, uh, that we need courage, I think, for. Firstly, he calls us to live a holy life. Psalm 119 says this, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. God is a holy God. Um, he cannot stand sin. <laughs> it's a strange thing. If we love, if we live our lives in ways that offend him, we risk putting a distance between him and ourselves. And we risk his punishment and discipline in our lives. But the positive thing is that if we've fallen, we can turn back to him and he readily accepts our repentance and willingly sets us free from the penalty of our sins. We cannot live holy lives on our own. We need the power and righteousness of God to cover us. But when we come back to him, he welcomes us. Another thing he calls us to is to confront injustice. Jeremiah 22.3 says this, Attend to matters of justice. Set things right between people. Rescue victims from their exploiters. Don't take advantage of the homeless, the, the orphans, the widows. 
Stop the murdering. Jesus' heart is to extend justice to the vulnerable and weak, the broken and the poor, and he wants us to partner with him in this. Thirdly, he wants us to do what is right. Uh, Along with addressing injustice, there are things that we see in our world that are plain wrong. There are things we need to take a prayerful stand on in our society and campaign to change. We could talk about campaigns by Christians 200 plus years ago against slavery, against child employment, against the state of the prisons and the mental health situation in the prisons. I've got a little example of a, of a Romanian pastor called Richard Vermbrandt, who, um, who was arrested after the Second World War for, for ministering to communists. He, he campaigned, he, he denounced government control of churches and was arrested several times, imprisoned in solitary confinement and repeatedly tortured and beaten. Just for the crime of preaching, his punishments included mutilation, burning, being locked in an icebox. His body bore the scars for the rest of his life. He recounted having the soles of his feet beaten on until the flesh was torn off, and then having them beaten again to the bone the next day. But in his book, Tortured for Christ, he wrote... It was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching. So we accepted the communist terms. It was a deal. We preached and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us. So everyone was happy. I'm not inviting you to beat me after this. (laughs) Okay, so... So at this point, we've looked at what courage means and what the Bible says about it. We've thought about where we need to find courage in our lives. Do we have the courage to face up to our shame, our sicknesses, our fears, our troubles, our shadows? Do we have the courage to live a holy life, to confront injustice, to stand up for what's right? And hopefully, I hope you've got the message that God wants to give us the courage we need. Indeed, he wants to come alongside us as the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. So before I come to a conclusion, uh, we're about halfway through now. Uh, No, I'm joking, sorry. (laughs) Um, I want to connect this theme of courage to the good life. We have a feeling that if we could just get more stuff, more more possessions, get a better job, get promoted, get better pay, be happy... See the problems of the world sorted out. Achieve Brexit. Get Brexit overturned. Solve the climate crisis, etc. Then we would live a good life. But the Bible's quite clear. We live in a world that's broken and mixed up. And ultimately, we can't change it. Good news is that God can. And he wants us to partner with him in the renewal of all things. The strap line of the church, if you didn't know that. <laughs> Partnering with God in the renewal of all things. So I just want to highlight three things that I think are fundamental to living our good life for us. The first is this. God wants us to follow Jesus. Maybe you fear that you're too bad. Maybe you think the things you've done that make you feel like God wouldn't want to forgive you 
or maybe things that have happened to you that make you feel like you couldn't possibly be loved by God, that you're completely lacking in value as a person. If you feel like that today, um, I've got some good news for you. Firstly, it is actually true that none of us can do anything enough to deserve God's eternal life for us. But that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. He came to rescue us from our sins and failures by going to the cross and dying for us. And if you were the only person in the world, he loved you so much that he would have come just for you, just for you alone. In, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but you know, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we, as ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Nicky Gumbel, who uh, basically developed the Alpha course that a lot of people are, are familiar with, tells about how he struggled to take the step of becoming a Christian. He said, The last thing I associated with faith was love or freedom. I associated faith with losing my freedom. I thought that God would want me to stop doing all the things that were fun and that I enjoyed. In fact, I've discovered over the last 40 years that true faith leads to freedom and love. Jesus says, take courage, it is me. Don't be afraid. He goes on to say, many people think that if they serve God, they will lose their freedom. In fact, it's the very opposite. Living for ourselves is in fact a form of slavery. Serving God in the new way of the spirit is the way to find perfect freedom. So is that you today? Are you fascinated by claims that Jesus is the Son of God, that, you can take away, that he can take away all your sin and shame, all your fears and mistakes, but yet struggling to, find, to work out whether you can risk putting your life in his hands, struggling to make a decision to put your trust in him? He wants us to be free. So I implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Take courage and put your trust in God today. Now, this might apply to others um, of us, you know, that we find it daily a challenge to keep trusting Christ in our lives. We need courage to keep coming back to the one who is our saviour, the one who is the good shepherd, the one whose grace and mercy, whose peace and kindness pursues us all the days of our life. Trust and faith are almost synonyms. The Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please God. It's not enough to do good things to put us right with God. He wants to live our lives in a place of faith and trust in him. Scripture says, he who has prepared for this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. Thirdly, he wants us to embrace his will for our lives, to obey and follow his calling. Um, we like to do our own thing, do it what we want to do. 
but he wants us to embrace his will. In the passage at the beginning of Joshua, the book of Joshua, God himself takes the words that Moses said and speaks them to Joshua himself. He said, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong, chazak, and courageous, ametz. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. A guy called Dallas Willard said this. God has yet to bless anyone except where they actually are. And if we faithlessly discard situation after situation, moment after moment as not being right, we will simply have no place to receive his kingdom into our life. So, I've come to an end apart from a little bit more. (laughs) It's a bit like Paul in his letters. He says finally about six or seven times usually. So let's stand if you can, if you want to. One of our practices in the Vineyard Church is to make space at the end of our services to allow God uh, time and space to speak to us. Um, He wants to touch us personally and come afresh into our lives with his Holy Spirit. Um, It's easy to rush off, but I just encourage you to spend a few moments reflecting with God on where maybe you need to take courage. Is it to take that first step of putting your faith and trust in Jesus? Or do you need courage to go deeper in your walk with God, to be willing to leave all the other stuff behind you? As that song that we sang earlier said, you know, if, if more of you means less of me, then take everything. Uh, you know, God is very gentle and kind, but he's a shepherd who pursues us and wants to persuade us to step away from the things in the world that entangle us and for us to daily put our trust in him. So if that's you, likewise, spend a few moments quietly asking God to give you more of his Holy Spirit to enable you to take those daily steps. So I'm going to pray. Uh, We don't have many uh, formal prayers in the Vineyard Church, but one of them is to say, Come, Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray, come Holy Spirit. I just encourage you to reach out towards him. Posture yourself, put your mind on him. If you want to begin a walk with Jesus, just ask him to come now into your life and take you forward. And if you want him to give you courage for something in life, Just reach out towards him. So come Holy Spirit.